Well, hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. It is so good that you are joining us, whether you're on site, you're checking us out online, or you're watching us later on demand. I want to give you a warm welcome. My name is Brendan Brent. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Faithbrook Church, and it is so good that you are joining with us today. If you are a first-time guest or if this is your first time in a long time, I want to encourage you, if you're in person, to reach into the seat back in front of you, grab a connection card, fill it out, and drop it off in our giving boxes around the building. Otherwise, if you're online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. When you fill out connection cards, it gives us a chance to get to know you better. And we'll have a staff member reach out to you. And for each connection card that we get, we're going to donate $5 to Cross Food Shop because we love new people and we love to partner with our local missions. Well, here at Faithbrook, our vision is to lead people into new and thriving life in Christ. I don't know when it comes to churches, there are so many different things that churches can be about. Well, here at Faithbrook, we give you an opportunity to discover our DNA and heartbeat through discovery. If you're in person, you can join us with our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. You can get a sense of our DNA, our heartbeat, our vision, our mission for about 15 to 20 minutes after service. And if you're online, we also have an online discovery class for you too. Please reach out to the hosts in the chat and they'll get you plugged in to online discovery. Well, now I'd like to welcome to the platform our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as he continues in our series, Your Move. I pastored another church in the 90s uh, in a different state. And one day I got the notion to go and knock on the, the neighbor's doors, introduce myself, all the homes that were surrounding the, this church. So I started doing that. And uh, realizing probably, uh, you know, I don't know how many would want to come and, and check out our church. But I invited them and I introduced myself and it was, it was a good day. Went on and, and uh, did my deal. Maybe a week later, this, this young couple comes in the church for the fir very first time. And it dawns on me that I introduced myself and they actually took me up on the invite. They actually came in and, and was checking out our church. That's the good part. The bad part is, is that I was preaching about generosity in biblical financial management and about taking a leap of faith and trusting God to give. And I'm like, oh, no, I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, here we go again. All churches want is the money, and those pastors are greedy. It's all about the, the money. I was like, oh, I need to talk to them after church and tell them, hey, we don't always do this. This is kind of unusual. Well, today is kind of like that. In fact, this month, this might be your first time viewing us or uh, worshiping with us or second time, and you're thinking, wow, this church, they're all about that money, right? Because this series, Your Move, has to do with generosity, about giving, and even uh, the backside of financial uh, freedom and financial management. Well, I want to tell you, that's not always the case. Well, that's exactly what I said to this couple afterwards, I'm so, I'm so sorry, I'm glad that you can't come, but I want you to know that this is not unusual. We don't, we don't just always talk about money every other Sunday, okay? And I'm sorry, right? Well, the wife, she goes to the bathroom, and the husband pulls me aside and says, oh, pastor, don't apologize. He says, That's, this is exactly the message we needed. Because back behind closed doors, we've been fighting over uh, money. Uh, he was in middle management, and we're just not on the same page. One of them wants to spend more, and how we view money, manage money. It's just been a conflict, and we need some help. Well, that couple did not realize that God had a plan for their life. That couple did not realize how God loved them and wanted to free them and, and to touch them and help them. And they kept coming back. 
and they eventually said yes to Christ in their soul, and they started thriving and growing in Christ and learning. In fact, that even trickled over to their finances. They got on the same page of, of how they were going to manage what was their priorities and if they were going to give something, and they started thriving because they started making moves towards Christ and making moves towards generosity. My friends, I just want to submit to you that we're all on a spiritual and financial journey somewhere. Maybe some of us are farther down the road. Maybe some of us are just beginning in our spiritual and financial journey. But Christ invites us to trust him and move more generously towards his heart and in a life of generosity. And generosity and finances are a big deal to God because finances are a big deal in our life. The last time I looked, it's really dicey out there how to manage money, how to pay bills, where should we invest, not to invest. And inflation is all around us. And so it's, it's a very complex situation. It's also a very personal situation. And, and ministers like myself get a little nervous talking about finances because I know it's very personal. It's also a very private matter. Well, we're halfway through this journey about your move, and we've been learning. And I wanted to, I said from the very beginning that this series is not really about raising money, it's about raising our faith. It's about maturing us uh, in our life. Because Jesus says, where your treasures is, that's where your heart's going to be also. And they're connected. Now, in this journey of your move in this series, we, we've also learned that the more we know, the more we grow. And for, for myself growing up and, and maturing, I didn't realize how much the Bible said about wisdom and principles of, of finances. And, and we were taught that over 2,300 scriptures have to do about how we view uh, money, the dangers of money, and, and investing and, and looking at it uh, and when, when it comes to our finances. And so often money or the allure of money of things can entrap us. Before we know it, we're in debt. We're overspending. There's tension. There's worry in our, in our heart and our mind. And last week, we learned one of the, the biblical principles that financial freedom takes moving from wishing to wisdom. So many times we're wishing that we didn't spend all that money or we're wishing we wouldn't, didn't have that, all that debt and we're wishing that we had more money. But God's given us a, a pathway and some steps that we can find freedom and that's going to take wisdom. And so I gave you some homework. I gave you some homework to go home and have a conversation if you have a spouse or, or, or another to say, hey, how are we going to view our money? Do we have a plan? Do we have priorities? Do we have a, a budget? We need to find some, some wisdom and, and some um, a path to, to uh, handle and get some freedom when it comes to finances. I also asked you to pray for wisdom. Because there is a boatload of resources out there in the Bible. There's some godly counseling. There's some wonderful um, seminars and books that can teach and train us in these, these biblical principles uh, to find financial freedom and to think about that and to pray for wisdom. So God offers all these principles and these wisdoms to just kind of manage what he, he gives to us. But I would suggest to you that there's one element that we really have a problem with. It's kind of like the elephant in the room, and that is trusting God. We're really kind of secretly, privately, yeah, but if I give, and if I'm generous, and I make some moves, and financial moves, will God have my back? Can I trust him to meet my needs? Can I trust him to supply? That's really the question. See, I believe most people want to be generous. If we took a survey, I think that you all say, yes, I want to give, but 
I'm scared. I'm not sure if I have enough money to meet my bills, my desires, my things out there. And so one church consultant kind of did a, a survey or study about um, where people who go to church, where do they give or how do they give? And he came up with really five categories that we find in your average church today um, of people where they give. The, the first one, he says there's pre-givers. These are the people that, that don't give very much, hardly at all. They might be skeptical. They don't trust the church. Uh, maybe, maybe they don't care. Maybe they think, well, the church is getting their money from some hierarchy or something. I don't know how they pay the bills, but just must be free. And then and they don't give anything to the church. There's others who, who periodically give. This, this comes from the heart that God kind of pulls the heartstrings and like, yeah, I want to help that. And so once in a while, they'll, they'll give something and, and to be generous in that way. There's others who just kind of decided that they, they want to be more proactive. So they kind of have a plan. And so they find some money and they say, we're going to give uh, uh, proactively and, and kind of have a system. Uh, the next one is percentage givers. So the Bible talks about some percentage, like the tithe of, of 10%. And so somewhere they would kind of really step up and then make that big decision that, man, whatever God gives us, we want to give back to him 10%. And then the, the plentiful giver. These, these are people that have some, maybe some more resources. So there's maybe some big ticket items and, and they just kind of take some money out of their pool of resources and said, here, I'm, I'm going to help that building program, or maybe there's a family in need, and just sacrificially uh, give in that area out of their plentiful giving. See, everyone usually falls in one of these uh, categories, pre-giver to periodic giver, etc. We're all on this journey, and God can help us to be wise. He can give us some principles to help maybe move up this, this category and give more, even more generously. But a lot of times we struggle with this because we're just not really sure. We struggle with our finances because everything's more expensive. We want to do things and buy things and spend things. Next time we know we're just maxed out financially, right? We got some debts and we got some uh, obligations out there. And of course we have these dreams. And before we know it, when it comes to generosity, we just get a little squirmy. We just get a little uncomfortable. We're just kind of like, hey, preacher guy, don't, don't bring it up. I don't want to deal with it because the money is complex and, it's, and I'm all maxed out. But I want to suggest to you that really what we're asking, if, we're, if we make a step to generosity, can I trust God? That, that's the big question. Can I trust God if I move and become more generous? So where can we find some hope? Is there any principles? Is there any promises? Is there any instructions? Well, I'm going to take it back to that New Testament um, book, uh, 2 Corinthians, that we started two weeks ago. Because Paul is addressing this issue about believing and trusting God when you, we can, that we can be generous. And so just to catch you up to chapter 8 and 9 in the book of 2 Corinthians has to do with an offering that Paul is speaking about to these churches. So uh, Paul was the church planter of these different Greek, uh, Roman uh, kind of Gentile cities. And so back then he kind of uh, plants them, gets some, someone else kind of lead them, and then he'll make his rounds and he's, and he's corresponding with them. And they're asking questions and they got issues and stuff. So he writes these epistles, these letters, and we fortunately have them in our New Testament. And so he knows that they're, they're struggling with the, the offering concept of being generous. It's Corinth church, right? 
So when he's writing the book of 2 Corinthians, he's really in Macedonia. And that's one of his churches too. And, and he's discovering how generous they are. And so in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, he's like, man, well, I'm over here in Macedonia. And even in their extreme poverty, he says, they are lavishing the, the privilege of giving. They're, they want to give to this offering. They have got no problem with giving. And so he's writing to the Corinth Christians who are skeptical and they're a little scared and they're hesitant, right? He's trying to encourage them. In fact, look at the model of the Macedonian church and see how God is providing and, and trusting. You can do the same thing. And so he, he's giving this instruction. Now we're in chapter nine, right? He realizes he's got to bring, bring the goods. He's got to help them be encouraged that they can trust God because that's the real question. Will God supply? Can I trust God if I move in, a, in a, a journey of generosity? And so he says this in this passage, starting at verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I call this the principle of the pipe. So what, the, what we're receiving what we're, we're reaping is only going to be as big as what we're sowing. And, and a lot of times we struggle with this because human nature is like, God, I want to receive. I want to reap, right? And, and instead of being a pipe, right, well, a lot of times we're like a reservoir. We're a little like a funnel. We're like, bring it. I want it. Income. Love it. Yes. But then when God says, can you give anything to me? Can you sow anything? We're like, well, I sowed it over there. We spent here and there and there. And then when it comes to offering our church or God, we're like, well, it's just a little trickle, right? But God says, man, here's the principle. You can trust me because it's going to equal pretty much of what you're sowing is what you're going to be receiving. Whoever sows sparingly, right? It's going to reap sparingly. It's a principle of the pipe. Now, Jesus spoke this same thing back in Luke 6 when he says, give and it will be given to you. In good measure, press down, Shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. Poured into your, this is the words of Christ. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. My friends, that's a promise. That's a principle. So I want, I want to tell you this, that you have to decide the words of Christ and the words of the Bible, are either a fairy tale or they're the truth. A lot of times they're like, oh, isn't that a good saying? That's a little, little myth or something, Right. Well, that means that God's lying. He doesn't believe this. Jesus was lying when he said, what, what, is, what, what you give out, it will be given to you. It's either the truth or it's a, a fairy tale. This is the principle of the pride. Now, this is not an investment, get rich sermon or system. It is what I call a partnership with God. See, God's heart is looking for stewards. People will have his heart. And he's like, you know, sometimes it takes financial means to bless people and help people. And so I'm looking for some, some people, and, and what you give is I'm going to give back to you. Look for it to be poured into your lap. Now, he's counting on us to be good stewards of what he gives to us. So many times we are sloppy with what God gives to us. We don't pay attention. We're just spending. We're, we're just neglectful. And next thing we know, we're in debt and we're trapped and we're stressed, right? He's asking us to say, man, if you get partnership with me, if you're diligent, put in the practices, that I, the biblical practice of finances, man, I'm going to bless you. And what you are giving, I'm going to be giving back to you. You can count on me. You know, it's not only just financially, but it, it also speaks for our spirit. In fact, I, I, I try every day as best I can to be a conduit of God's spirit. 
And so many times we're so selfish. We're like, God bless me and help me and I'm in need and woe is me, right? But we're not thinking about how can I be a blessing to others? So God, just help me to believe in you so much that when I go to work, when I get out in the community, I'm just in a conduit of you and God, you're going to supply over here emotional needs and spiritual needs, even sometimes financial needs. You know, I get a kick out of uh, some of our children volunteers. They, they are sowing and trying to bless others. And I'm sure sometimes they're like, oh, great, I got to show up. I got to prepare my little uh, message for my kids, and it's cold out. And they come to church, and there they go. They're, they're helping those kids in our Sunday morning uh, situations or our midweek youth situations, right? And by the time they walk out of church and meeting with it, they are super fulfilled and satisfied. They're like, man, that was a blessing. Guess what? I learned more than I think the kids learned, right? I'm, I'm so happy now because they sowed and God blesses them emotionally and spiritually in their heart, in their life. See, Paul wants them to grow in their faith. He understands a lot of times we are asking that question, can I trust God? And so he is, he is instructing them and giving some principles and some promises. And here he, he gives some more instructions Verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Heart is a big deal in giving. God does not want to force anyone to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. This is about our attitude when it comes to giving. What is your attitude when it comes to being generous and giving? Is it reluctantly? Is it, is it a begrudgery where you're just like, oh, man, there's I don't like money. I don't like them, right? That's what God was looking for. And a lot of times I've found in my life I struggle to give because on the backside, I haven't really paid attention to my finances. I haven't made my priorities. I haven't learned to be content. I haven't learned to be disciplined. But when we realize that we can be disciplined, we can be content, that I don't have to buy, I don't have to keep up. My worth is not in what's, what, what I'm driving or what's in my bank account or what I'm wearing. My worth is in Jesus Christ. I can kind of stand down when it comes to expenses. So then when it comes to offering time, I'm like, yes, I got some leftover. I got some, a portion to give to God. And it's a joy. It's a blessing. But we have to stay on budget. We have to stay in contentment. If we don't, we're, we're, we're um, racked with guilt. We're trying to find rationalizations and justifications why we can't give and can't afford it. And, and it's not pleasurable at all. So Paul knows that people are a little nervous about this. And so he continues to, to, to give these promises that we can trust God. And one of my favorite verses is verse 8. And it says that God is able to, to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, he wrote this 2,000 years ago to those Corinthian Christians, but it also applies to our life, right? And remember, either this is a fairy tale or it's the truth of God. So he says, you will abound in every good work. Now, how many good works are in your life? How many good things are you trying? Right? Are you trying to take care of your family? Are you trying to bless them? Do you want to have maybe help some charities? Do you want to have some investments for your retirement? Do you want to have some emergency funds? Do you, do, uh, you want to help your neighbors and all this kind of stuff? Sometimes we got a lot of good works going on, right? And sometimes we get overwhelmed, especially when it comes to financials, because everything seems to be good. And, and, and it is good, right? And so a lot of times we shrink back and say, oh, no, I can't afford it. I can't give to that. I can't do that. And, and we have this scarcity mindset, right? Because we have all these good responsibilities. Well, here's the promise of God. And look what it says. God is able. He is able to bless you. 
God has the ability. He can provide. He's not asleep. He's not weak. This is the promise of God. You can trust him. He's able to provide. He, and Paul says, to bless you abundantly. So that what? So that in all times and all things, and there's a lot going on, right? I got to pay for my kids this, and we got to invest in that, and watch out for this. And all these things can be overwhelming. The promise is he's going to see you through, and you're going to abound in every good work. Now, I personally love this. This is one of my favorite uh, scriptures. It's probably one of my top five or six. I look at this scripture personally every week, every other week. It's memorized in my brain because, see, in my world, God has called me to do a lot of good things. Starting with my family, I got my son, I got an older son, I got my wife, and I got my other relatives, my parents, all those good works, right? And they, I need to help them and bless them and call for them. I got a congregation, we got staff, we got leadership. Sometimes, frankly, I'm like, oh God, how am I going to do this, right? And, and then every one of them maybe needs some money, right? We're going on a missions trip here and this and that, and, and kid needs this, and he's just like overwhelmed. So, I'm like, so a lot of times I'm like, oh, I can't do it. No, I can do it. Because I'm going to stand and claim this promise right here, Jim. I am able to bless you. What? Abundantly. See, in my mind, in your mind, I you guys say that's a fairy tale, that's for someone else, or that's for me. I'm going to believe that's the truth of God. That God does not lie. And I'm going to claim that he is able to bless me abundantly so that in all times and all things, and I got a lot going on, right? Jim, you will abound in every good work. Get after it. Go for it. And that's what God wants to build into our heart and our mind, that we can trust him in all things. He's going to be there. Now, one of the, one of the things that the byproducts of this is that generosity teaches us to depend on God, right? So if we're going to do all these good works and God is compelling you to, to, be, to do best wherever you're at, your work, your family, giving, uh, volunteering, helping, leading, working, whatever, you need to be. We were like, oh, God, help us to be better managers, Help us to be more uh, uh, intentional of what we spend or don't spend. Sometimes we have to say no so we can say yes to the better things, our priorities in our life and our heart. You know, this, this pipe principle is a huge principle at Faithbrook Church. We try to live by the, the principle of the pipe. That what we're sowing, uh, God is going to help us uh, to, to receive. Now, let me give you a little bit of insight to how our church works financially a little bit. We have a, a steadfast principle that we're going to give away at least 15% of what comes in the offerings online or in the offering box. Or 15% is going out. You don't hardly even know this. Because we believe that what, what we're going to sow, God is going to reap. And we have to be generous. God has asked us to whatever comes through the offering place to be good stewards of this. And part of that is say, God, we want to be generous. And so 15% of, of what you give, right, and I give together is going out. For instance, um, we are part of 75 other churches on what we call the Prairie Lakes District. It's the Dakotas and Minnesota, and there's all these Nazarene churches all over the place. And so we collaborate together, and every one of these churches are asked to give a portion so we can have some kids camps and family camps. We have a, um, a district leader that, that goes and encourages and helps them supply pastors and figure out some problems or whatever. He needs a little salary, right? So we are a team member. So we're going to give out. And those churches, and I don't know in Dakotas, whatever, but some of this money is going to Dakota. Some of it's going up to North Minnesota to bless and help these Christians and these churches because we want to be generous. We're going to trust God that he's going to come back. Some of that money goes to help uh, Christian um, college students and our Nazarene universities that have scholarships 
that's very uh, expensive. And so a little portion is going down to uh, Mid-America University to help those colleges to students to have scholarships to uh, afford that. We're also given to retired pastors. So a lot of pa- pastors didn't make much money when they were younger. And so now they're retirement. So a little bit of portion comes here. We're going to say, bless you. Here's your little pension. Hang in there. Ha- have out that. A uh, portion of it's going to our missionaries around the world. We have Nazarene missionaries right now. Even I just heard uh, missionaries in Ukraine, right? They're not having to raise their money because Facebook's really say, hey, you just stay right there on the front line, okay? Your job is not to raise your money. We're going to raise the money. And we're going to, every Nazarene church, including Faith, we're going to portion out. We're going to give it to you, right? So you can just stay home and get your, you can feed your family and, and be right there ministering. It's just 15%. We have a compassionate fund that if there's a family in need, we don't tell the whole congregation we have, it's just going out. At least 15% and more is going out. Now, would we like to keep that 15%? Sure. What could we do right here? How could we improve our ministry right here? But uh, that's not the principle of the pipe. God says, I'm counting on you to be stewards. I'm counting on you to be generous with what I've given to you. And, you know, when it comes to being stewards, I don't, I don't see the money. I don't touch the money. None of our staff touch the money. We don't manage any of the money. It's up to the lay leaders of our church. And our members or our partners of the church elect these lay members. We have a board. That's one of the biggest deals how we are doing well with your money, God's money that's coming in here. Should, should we buy something, sell something uh, when it comes to salaries, when it comes to benefits, all this kind of stuff that's managing this? We have a financial committee because God wants us to be wise. If we're not wise, if we're not disciplined, if we're slackers and sloppy and greedy with it, God's going to turn off the spigot. So, um, you know, we, we, uh, so six years ago, we were building this building. We have a long history uh, and our church, our roots go back to 1929. Most of the time, our church was in, in tucked away in Osseo, but God inspires us to come out here. And so we're building this church uh, six years ago, and we tried to connect the dots. We thought we had enough money, and, and the bank was going to loan us some money, and we're trying to be really good stewards, right? So uh, pretty soon, man, we realized this is going to be tight. Uh, it's going to be nip and tuck. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to afford this. Well, in the middle of this building project, we hear about this John Lasco church grant and that, that this big guy has a whole bunch of a plentiful and he's willing to give some, some grants to churches who are building sanctuary portions. And, and so we looked into that and we applied for this grant. And we're like, wow, that'd be awesome because they could really help us. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? So they get back to us and say, well, uh, th- thank you, uh, Faithbrook, for, for applying. You're one of 109 churches that are applying for some help. Okay, hang in there, and we're going to send you a bunch of paperwork. And fill out this paperwork about your financial uh, landscape and your health and, uh, and your whole plan for your building and stuff. They're following that, and we're saying, hey, do you, would, would you like to talk to us and hear about our story? Because this was our heart, and we want to do this. And they're like, nope, we don't, we don't want to hear about your story. We don't want to talk to your pastor. We don't want to hear it. We don't care. But what do you care about? We want to care if you're, you're good stewards, basically. We want to see that the, uh, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and that you have a reputation. You're not some fly-by-night and you don't know what you're doing financially. We don't want to see all your bids. We want to see what, what you got your stuff together for constructions. Okay, okay. and they're, we're filling all this stuff out. And we're like, here you go. Some mystery philanthropist in, in, in Chicago, right? And now we're building this thing and we're like, is it here anything? And sure enough, eventually we get the news. Congratulations, Faithbrook. You're one of a few people out of 109 that received John Lasco's Christian Plentiful Grant. Well, how much is that? $700,000 is coming to you. What? 
$700,000. Because see, we, we formulated that Mr. John, who passed away, he, he was an incredible um, uh, steward and, and um, saved this money that he wanted to pay for your, your worship area. So Mr. Lasco, you don't know this, but where you're sitting this morning was paid for this guy I never met in my life because he wanted to be generous and bless us. And it dropped out of heaven, $700,000. I've never even gotten close to something like that. I'm still wrecked by that. I can't already believe it, right? So I'm like, why Faithbrook? Why, why us? 109 other churches applied for that. We're the one, one of the ones that got it. I don't understand that. So I'm talking to our district kind of pastor, supervisor. I said, I don't know. And God bailed us out. God knew. And he, and he pulled me aside and says, Jim, who are you? Who is your church? I said, well, well we used to be Osseo Church, but now we're, we're Faithbrook Church. We're starting a new chapter. We want to reach people. He says, has your church not been faithful? Don't I understand that through the years, every year you've given at least 15% out to other people. You don't even know these people. You just give it out of the pipe. Yes, sir, we have. Have you ever missed helping our missionaries? No. Is it, a, is it a stable value in your church that no matter what happens, we're giving that away? Yes, sir. He says, I think that's why God gave you that money. Because he could trust you. He could trust you to be his steward and be generous. And what you sow, it's usually going to be what you're going to reap. And my friends, I want to tell you that God is able to provide and help us abundantly. And Faithbrook will do everything we can to help reach people and find a new life in Jesus Christ. We're going to stretch, and a lot of times that's financial. And we're going to count every penny. We're going to maximize every penny because the stakes are high. The stakes are high to reach the next generation. If they do not find Jesus Christ, man, our country and our community is still in peril. So he's asking us to be smart. He's asking us to pray. He's asking us to be wise, to lead people into a new and thriving life in Jesus Christ. See, I believe that we're planted right here. There are people today in 2022 that are desperate for a healthy, functional, biblical church that's modern, that's relevant. And they want to make sure that we are healthy and whole, functionally, even financially that we're not just crippled, bare bones, uh, can't pay the bills, right, dysfunction and fights. No, we want to be healthy. So God, we pray every day, God, help us to be the pipe. God, we just want to be a conduit for the next generation, the next couple, the next family that moves in here, the next person that doesn't know Christ. And we are determined that we're going to be generous. And God, we're going to trust you to provide our needs. If we've got to hire another staff person, if we've got to pay more insurance or another person push snow, we're going to trust you to fill our needs. And God will supply. And so Paul knows this. The same with the Corinthians, same with today. So he continues on for more promises. And in verse 10, now he who supplies so to the seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, the picture here is an ancient farmer. Most of these people, you know, they didn't have checking accounts or something like that. They were, they were, they were, they were shepherds or uh, merchants a little bit. A lot of them, to, to feed their family, they had to have a garden. They had a little farm. So here's this guy that, that they didn't have machinery. They, they sowed the seed with their hand. Okay, they're sowing this. And so you can imagine this dad or someone's like, you know, this grain that's in my hand, I could crush it up and, and, and bake it up and that'd be bread for my family. But I have to take the risk. I got to sow the seed to have a harvest, right? And that's risky because the father doesn't know if, if, if there's going to be a drought or, or the bird's going to pick it up. And he's got to sow generously if he's going to have a harvest generously. And this is what Paul's trying to get to them. 
Man, that he will supply seed because so many times we're scared to sow. We're scared to just give generously because we're not sure if we can trust God. But here's the promise of God. Remember, this is a fairy tale or it's the truth. And his promise is he is able to supply, that he will supply all our needs. It's so true. It's back to the pipe. Now, uh, the, the, the church of Philippi, they were struggling too with the same thing. And so Paul writes in Philippians 4, 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Here's the promise again. See, either God's lying, it's a fairy tale, or it's the truth that he will supply you. Now, he didn't say, I'm going to supply your money to, for that next diamond ring or that new Tesla. He didn't say that. He says, I will supply what? For your needs. And I want to increase your store of seed and enlarge your harvest. Now, the, har- the harvest of righteousness doesn't mean it's always financial. God, God wants our spirit to thrive. He wants our personality, if you will, our attitude, our, our, our Christian devotion to thrive. And so the harvest of our righteousness, meeting our needs, that there would be, there would be a, a multiplication. So when we walk into the room, when we go, walk, go to school, we go to work, right, there's, a, there's an air of righteousness. So are we adding value? Can your employer count on you to add value? Are you going to be the grumpy one that's trying to cheat the company and, and manipulate this and this and that? And a lot of times, God says, if you trust me, and if you focus on your heart and your generosity, next thing you know, there's a benefit that happens. It's not always financial. Sometimes it, it does happen financially, but God will be there for you. You know, many Christians would say, man, God has supplied my needs. In fact, a lot of Christians say, you cannot outgive God. Every time I give to God, God gives something back and supplies my need. And so a lot of Christians practice more intentional giving. They, they, they come into that category of proactive giving. Here at our church, you can go to our church app, which is probably the easiest way to, to give, right? And you can just go on reoccurring giving. And so they give, they give the app, the bank account, it's very secure, right? And so they just kind of draft it out. They don't have to decide every week. Kind of reminds us of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, which Paul gives his instructions the first day of every week. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there would be no collection when I come. Um, uh, in other words, uh, as you prosper, whatever God gives to you, right, make a plan, get a budget, have a decision. Okay, we're going to set this aside. So what Paul's saying is when I come to you, he doesn't want to twist your arms. He doesn't want to put a big guilt trip on them, right? But they've been so diligent. They've been so wise. They've been so, such a steward. It's like, yes, we've got a plan. When you come, there's the money. It's already in the bank. It's just happening. This is this kind of this proactive mindset of giving. Then some people uh, practice the, the percentage give, the, the tithe principle, right? We see this tithing introduced all the way back in the Old Testament. Abraham is blessed. He's like, you know, I want to honor God. I want to honor my king. And so he gives 10% back to the king uh, in, in acts of honoring God. We see this adopted by the nation of Israel. Uh, they, they're going to function and, and be uh, God's nation, they have to have a financial plan. So God says, here's the deal. Why don't you give back 10% to the synagogue, the temple, the priest, whatever, and so we can function financially and whole as a nation. That was a big deal to them. A lot of times they got waning. A lot of times they're like, wow, we don't have any money. And before they knew it, they were kind of cheating God. They were just kind of like uh, just giving him the scraps. And so the, the prophet Malachi brings it up in chapter 3 of, of his book in the Old Testament about this tithing. 
He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, when he says food in my house, He's talking about the temple. That's where God resided. And there was a whole group of uh, Levites who were the priests. These were the pastors of the modern day. They, they had families. They had needs. And so a lot of times people just give them leftovers, just kind of give them scraps to, to God's house, right? And, and they were just bare bones, right? And God was upset. He t- tells to, the, to his prophet, tell the people, man, bring the whole tithe. Uh, because these, God needs some money too. You know, there's some overhead and there's some worship aids and, and the priests need some money feed their family, et cetera. And so many times that's the way it is with church today that people are like, well, somehow God will supply and the church that, you know, they just, I don't know, just falls out of heaven and it'd be, it'd be okay somehow. Right. And a lot of times churches, it can be bare bones and bare skin by because we don't bring the whole tithe, the whole tithe. He says to be food in my house that people can eat people like, yes, this is good. This is nourishing. It's whole. It's, it's healthy instead of bare bones. You know, you got to ask yourself, uh, someone said the challenge to people to ask this question. If everyone uh, gave to Faithbrook the way you gave, how, where would our financial health be in our church, right? Now, I don't know what you give. Um, you know what you give. But think about that. If everyone here or online or in the next service gave like you gave, where would we be financially? Would we just be like broke, right? Would we just be barely making it, right? We're not sure if we can pay the bills next week or, or would we be financially whole? And then we'll say, hey, we can advance. We can, we can reach people and minister to people more because people are giving like you are giving. So a lot of times we're like, well, um, you know, I can't give much, but that person over there, they must have much more money, right? You know, I've lived long enough that the person that's sitting around you, you know, they're struggling too. They got issues. They got death. They got to max out. And so we all just like, well, someone else is going to give. Is that really the heart of God? Is that, is that ethical? So you have to wrestle with that. What do you bring? What is your attitude? Now, now to give 10%, when I bring this up to people, this is like shocking to people. You, you got to be kidding me, Jim. I mean, we've shared this with friends and neighbors before, and they're just like, All right, what? And most people are like, I can't even afford to, to, to live on 100%. And you're telling me that the comforts you live on 90%, how can you do that? There's no way. It goes back to the promises of God. It goes back to the principles of God, right? You put that together, God will make a way he would have you. And for us and for many people who tithe, we see it as a lordship thing. We're like, if God's first in our life, then we gotta, that's got to show up in our bank account. That's got to be showing up in our spending. We're going to shrink our spending, and we're going to get more proactive and disciplined so we can give to God at least 10% and more. It's a lordship thing. And so many people like bristle at that. It's like, I'm not sure. I'm not well, let me, let me give you this to help you, okay? This helps me. So a father takes his, his, his six-year-old son to McDonald's and says, son, I want to feed you. Uh, are you hungry? Yes, sir, I'm hungry, dad. He says, well, well, why don't you buy something? He says, man, I'm so hungry, I want 10 chicken McNuggets. And the dad says, yes, sure enough, why don't you get them? So he gets that 10 chicken McNuggets and the dad gets a hamburger, right? And they go sit down, they're having a great time. And, and the dad says to his, his son, he says, man, you want to, mind if I have one of those chicken McNuggets, just one, there's 10 of them, right? And what if that son said, well, no way, dad. I want all 10 chicken McNuggets. I'm hungry and I need that. And no, I don't, I don't want them. Well, what would the dad think, right? I mean, what would you think if you were a dad? You're like, you can't spare one chicken McNugget. See, what that little boy didn't realize, 
that who bought the chicken nuggets? Who owns the chicken nuggets? So when we realize that God owns what he has given to us, the Bible is very clear that all good things come from God and heaven. So many times we think, well, it's our money. We, we earned it. God's like, no, I allowed you to earn it. I gave you the talent, the, the brain power, the work ethic, the discipline, the muscle, if you will, the talent to make that money. It's really mine. Like the little boy says, no, they're all mine. That's like, I paid for them. You're enjoying them. The boy doesn't realize that the dad has the power to say, skip that. I'm taking all of them, right? Or I'm taking six of them. He has that power, but the dad doesn't do that. God doesn't do that for our resources because God wants us to learn and grow up because he wants us to bless us, but he owns it. And it's his. Now, let's reverse that. What if the little boy said, Dad, sure, you can have one of my nuggets. I got plenty. I got nine. That'll feed me. What if that little boy said, sure, Dad, here's your nine. And, and you know, Dad, maybe that family over there might want one. And what if that little boy went over there and offered some nuggets to that family? What would be the heart of the father, right? What if that son said went over, went over to someone and, and they took one or two and the dad took one and so the boy sits down and he, and he looks at it and he's got seven chicken nuggets. The dad knows he's hungry, right? But the dad knows his heart. And he was so generous. What would that dad do? Well, good luck. You only got seven? Not at all. I don't know about you. I'd be up at that counter. I'd be like buying 50 chicken nuggets, son. Thank you. Because that's what I want to see in your heart. I can provide for you. I'm just counting on you to be generous with what I have given to you. That's how people see tithing. Yes, God, I'm going to give back 10% because I can trust you to handle and help us with the 90%. Now, this, this tithing thing is scary. That's why Malachi put in this, this, this promise to test me in this. So he goes on, he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this, my friends. You might not know this, but this is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. All other places, he says, don't test the Lord God, okay? Don't test me. Why would God of all the places give this one exception, test me in this, because he realizes to give 10% away is a huge risk for us. And God gives the promises and the guarantee. He says, you give me 10%, you can test me in this and see if I will not meet your needs. In fact, he says, throw open the floodgates of heaven. Now, a lot of times when he throws open this, this floodgate, doesn't mean that he just bombard you with all this money backing up in your driveway with a, with a, a truckload of gold bars. He's not doing that. But over time, God does bless us. God makes a way. Some, some people say, well, I can't afford to tithe. A lot of tithers would confess and say, man, I can't afford not to tithe. I wish I had more time to tell you about some of the stories that I know of God that, that threw open the floodgates. And a lot of times they become successful because over here they're being diligent and they're disciplined. Over here they're, they're being generous of God. And next thing you know, they're getting promotions. They're getting financial breaks. They're getting gifts that they didn't know it's coming because the promise is true. We can trust God. Test me in this. The same thing with Paul was saying at the end of his passage in 2 Corinthians, another promise, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Do you want to be generous? Comforts want to be generous. Okay, so he's going to help us to be enriched in every way. That doesn't mean that we give like thousands of dollars to everything, but we can have something to give when the generosity piece comes around. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And next week, we're going to really hone in on that. The impact that God can have and you can have when we are practicing the pipe and the internal um, 
impact and blessings that people have. See, the promise is true. You can trust him that he will enrich you and greatly. And sometimes it's even financial. And I know it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on that prosperity message, right? Oh, you're one of those preachers that preach that if you get two bucks and God's going to give you four bucks and stuff. I, I, I'm not going there. But the truth of the minute is it, it's in the Bible that somewhere God's going to bless you. Now, I got to say if that's a fairy tale or a lie or it's the truth of God. And I'm going to believe it's the truth of God. And I'm just going to be open to God and say, God, I'm just responsible for sowing. I'm just responsible for trusting you. You, you, you at your time and your will, is going to uh, give the increase. So it really comes down to this right here. Can we trust God? But more importantly, can God trust you? It's going to be your move. At the end of Christ's ministry, um, he was sharing about worry. And there were people on the Sermon Amount that were really uh, stressing about, God, can you, can you provide for us? What are we going to wear? What are we going to feed our kids? And so in chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus is talking about, don't, don't stress, don't worry. God's there. And then he ends it with this statement right here, one of the greatest promises in the Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what's the promise? And all these other things will be added unto you. So he says to me, he says to you, what's your job? Your job is to seek him first, to make him first, to seek his righteousness, right? And his promises, I got you. I got your back. I will supply all your needs, even financially. I will take care of you. So my friends, I, I just want to encourage you to pray about the generosity piece. Now, next Sunday, you're going to be challenged and see what God's been speaking to you, that if he's asking you to move up. You know, the tithing thing is not some spiritual rule that if you don't tithe, then God's going to get you. He's going to be disappointed in you, right? It's, it's to your heart. But when it comes to those, those five categories, you're going to be challenged to say, God, where are you asking us to go? Maybe you don't give much at all. And God says, well, at least give something once in a while out of your heart. Maybe you're, you're a person that has plentiful that you got some resources, and once in a while, God has some big tickets. And would you be willing to give like chunks of money on that sacrificial way to help somewhere we're all there, and God is asking us to make a move, to trust in him that he will be there. Now, ultimately, my friends, it comes down to our heart. And some of you might be thinking, you know, you've been talking about finances and wisdom and discipline and trust, right? But truthfully, I'm not sure if I'm right with God. Um, I'm not sure if I'm seeking God first. Uh, God's been talking to me and, and drawing me and, and teaching me. And, and frankly, I really haven't said yes to Jesus yet in my life. You know, the, the finances are one thing, but maybe the greatest need is not, not so much our, our heart with money, but our heart with God. And as far as we close here, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. See, all of us somewhere have, have misstepped. We have, we've all kind of done our own thing, especially how we want to manage money. But God gives an opportunity to say, you know, I, I, I need you to forgive me. I, I need to invite you first in my soul to clean my soul up first and, and to, to forgive me. And then you can start helping me in other areas, even financially or relationally or being forgiving to other people. But first, I need to say yes. So I just want to take a minute to help you, uh, invite you to close your eyes. I'm just kind of wrap things up here. Jesus, I've, I've said a lot, right? I believe your promises are true. I've met a lot of people, God, that, that are really examples that, they, that, God, you do bless people. You do supply all their needs, and you are faithful. And I pray you help us be courageous, God, to trust you, that you will supply our needs as we wrestle and make decisions about where we're going with giving towards you. 
And Father, I, I pray for that person right now that say, my greatest need, Jim, is just getting right with God. And right now by faith, wherever you're at, maybe you're viewing us online, maybe you're right there in your seat, you know God's speaking to you. And he's been kind of convicting you. And you, you need to just say, God, I, I need you. And you know the sins. Nobody else knows your sins, but God knows your sins. And right now, by love and grace, God will forgive you and cleanse you of all your sins if you're willing to confess. And by faith, his grace will be sufficient to cleanse you and justify you, make you right with him. But you have to say yes, Jesus. So just repeat this, this, this short prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you're speaking to me. And I believe you died on that cross. And I do believe that you rose from the dead. And today, by faith, I want to give you my life. I want to give you my sins. I'm praying, God, that you would sweep away, cleanse all my transgressions, my regrets, my hurts towards you and others by faith. I say yes to you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. And God, also teach me to deal with the money, the resources that you've given to me. And I'll pray this in your name and believe it. Amen.